0: Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farrakh.
1: I've often said it, and I'll never tire of saying it. I hope you don't tire of me saying it. I would rather offend people into heaven than flatter them into hell. I mean, I'm going to give an account one day, <laughs> and and those that teach the Word of God will be held to a much higher standard and stricter standard of judgment. I will have to give an account. One day for what I did with the calling that God had on my life.
0: You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Parag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Proverbs. As Christians, we are all called to evangelize. But how do we do this while maintaining biblical accuracy? We can't sugarcoat the Bible. We can share the grace of God and help bring people into a relationship with Christ. What we can't and shouldn't do is teach things that the Bible doesn't actually say to unbelievers. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the Inspired and Truth podcast or download the Inspired and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor JD in Proverbs chapter 28 with today's edition. Of in spirit and truth.
1: When the righteous rejoice, there is great glory. But when the wicked arise, men hide themselves. But I think about past elections, not that the President of the United States is omniscient or omnipotent or anything like that. But I just think about past elections when a president was elected, and uh, you just want to crawl into a hole. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and hide and wait it out oh God <laughs> but conversely when the righteous reign there's a rejoicing there is great glory verse 13 this one uh, this is we need, need to maybe spend a little bit of time on this one he who covers his sins will not prosper but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Okay. I think about David on this one. His sin of adultery with Bathsheba, which resulted in the murder of Uriah the Hittite, and he tried to cover it up. And he hid it. And for almost a year, and it, it just about killed him. He writes in the Psalms how that He just was dying inside. His soul had dried up. His bones had dried up because he was covering his sin. And in that state of covering your sin, hiding your sin, God is not going to bless. God is not going to prosper. But, and here's the good news, and this is something that the enemy works against us and exploits because it says whoever confesses and forsakes they're the ones that will have mercy i think about 1 john 1:19 it's been likened unto the christian bar of soap if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Now, here's what I'm thinking. The enemy comes in, and when we sin, he tries to convince us that we need to cover it up. Nobody can find out. We need to hide it. And again, when you're hiding something, pretty good indication that it's wrong, that it's sin. It's that Adamic nature of in every single one of us, and it started in the garden when sin entered the world. What was the first thing Adam and Eve did? They tried to cover their nakedness and hide and Here comes God into the midst of the garden, and he says, "Where are you adam oh, he didn't it 's not like god didn 't know where he was. It was more like, "Why are you hiding adam God, god knows." Why he's hiding? Because he's sinned. And see, this is what we do. In our sin, we think, I I need to, I need to keep a lid on it. I need to cover this. I need to, to hide this because it cannot be found out. And that is the worst possible thing that you could do because when you do that, you allow Satan now to build this structure of condemnation and guilt in your life and it will utterly destroy you. Here's what you need to do. As quickly as possible, you need to get to the cross where that sin was paid for in full. And see, Satan doesn't want you doing that because he wants to go on condemning you. Paul in Romans 6 writes that there, in Romans 8, he says there's no condemnation for those of us that are in Christ Jesus. But he says that sin shall no longer dominate you, no longer have mastery over you. What is he saying? Not the temptation of sin, the guilt and the condemnation of sin. That condemnation, that guilt of sin no longer has dominion over you, control over you. And the only reason that we will ever live under the domination of that condemnation because of our sin is because it takes us that long to get to the cross where that sin was paid for. See, Satan doesn't want us going to the cross because as soon as we get there and we confess that sin and we forsake it, doesn't mean we're going to be sinless. It's a confessing of the sin, acknowledging of the sin, acknowledging that it is sin. By the way, that's what confessing sin means. You're confessing and you're saying, Okay, Lord, I I see this as you see this. And one would think that would be a firm grasp of the obvious, but sadly it's not. Because we don't want to call sin, sin anymore. We call it everything but sin. Let's take, for example, adultery. There was a a, a news report today, I guess, Bill Clinton uh, said that the reason why he had this Affair with Monica Lewinsky was because it helped with his anxieties. I'm glad you laughed because I I mean, at first I'm like, "You'll forgive me," but really, are you kidding me? Okay, we this this is wrong on every level, starting with the word affair. Think about this with me, okay? <laughs> oh, he had an affair. Uh, sounds so okay, doesn't it? No, it, it wasn't an affair. He committed adultery. But we don't want to call it adultery because that sounds like sin. Because it is. So we, we call it, um, oh, how about this one? Um, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with a, a couple of issues. Oh, issues. Oh, issues. Issues? <laughs> Come on. No, it's called, repeat after me, sin. Sin. It's sin. But see, we don't want to call it sin, and Satan certainly doesn't want us to call it sin, because as soon as we confess it as sin, acknowledge it as sin, then it comes under the arena of the Savior who paid for that sin. See, as long as we keep it out from underneath the arena of sin and just call it, well, it's just a, a little issue over here, well, then it's hands-off because it's just an issue. Oh, it's, a, it's just an affair. Oh, well, that, that doesn't sound nearly as bad as adultery. Adultery. I mean, doesn't adultery just... Well, it, it should. It used to. There was a day in our <laughs> when you would actually use a word like that, and it actually meant something. But somewhere along the line, we kind of softened the blow. Just you know, took the edge off of it. You know, it's really sad. This is what happens in churches. I mean, we 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 just we kind of dance around it. You know, we just we don't want we don't want to be offensive. We don't want to offend anybody, especially a first time visitor, right? Because we want them to come back. So we don't want to, you know, come off too strong. So even with the worship music, well, you know, we'll stay away from songs like "The Blood of Jesus." The Blood of Jesus, right? We'll stay. We'll stay away from <laughs> some of the most anointed. Songs and hymns of old, those classic and timeless hymns that actually talk about sin and forgiveness of sin. So when the pastor gets up there and he's dealing with a, you know, kind of a difficult, even uncomfortable and potentially offensive portion of Scripture, they'll kind of water it down and soften it up and in so doing they just end up creating this environment where i mean they they can't preach the gospel right because the gospel's offensive isn't it i mean they you know what the gospel is right that uh you know jesus came he was crucified he was buried he rose again on the third day and he's coming back again one day he died for my sins well that's offensive Because that means that I sinned. Well, the nerve of you to say that I have sinned. I'm not that bad of a person. No, you're a sinner. You're a sinner. The gospel by its very nature is offensive. I've often said it, and I'll never tire of saying it. I hope you don't tire of me saying it. I would rather offend people into heaven than flatter them into hell. I mean, I'm going to give an account one day, <laughs> and, and those that teach the Word of God will be held to a much higher standard and stricter standard of judgment. I will have to give an account one day for what I did with the calling that God had on my life. One last thought on this before we move on to verse 14, and it has to do... With God desiring to bless us. I, it, never imagine, I mean, let me, let me say it this way think about it from the uh, perspective of an earthly parent. Don't we want to bless our children? Don't we want our children to be successful and prosperous and blessed and happy? As someone said, a parent is only as happy as their saddest child. You want your children to do well and we are we are fallen parents how much more our heavenly father he desires to bless us but sometimes we tie the hands of god's blessing with the ropes of our disobedience and he can't it's not that he won't it's that he can't it goes against his nature. God desires to bless us, to prosper us, and He doesn't want sin to sever that any longer than it needs to be severed because payment has already been made. It's almost like I can I can picture the Lord, you know, and, and never imagine the Lord is surprised by our sin. Never imagine that God's in heaven going, I cannot believe that J.D. did that again. I, 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 I've I, had it up to fear with him. I have told him till to. I'm blue in the face. And he did it again. No. <laughs> it's more like this. Um, you stumbled again. You fell again. You sinned again. Uh, get to the cross. Hurry up. <laughs> get to the cross the cross early on when uh, my wife and I were first married (laughs) she's very competitive not that I'm not competitive but early on in our marriage there was this spiritual competition between the two of us it was a sanctified competition and so whenever you know there was conflict we don't have conflict anymore we have a perfect marriage now I'm talking about early on. We've been married for 33 years, and so we have a perfect marriage. We never have conflict. there <laughs> a lightning bolt anywhere coming down? But we we would uh, be competitive about who was gonna go to the cross first. And and she would say things to me like, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell the Lord on you. I'm like, No, I'm gonna get there first, tell him on you. She said, No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat you to the cross. And then one time I remember sharing this, this is uh, many years ago, I've shared it here before too. So uh, I, w- I was from the pulpit talking about how, you know, th- there was this competitive dynamic and, and you know, how we're going to you know, beat the other person to the cross. And I said it like this, I said, I, I beat my wife and then I paused to take a breath at the worst possible time to say that. And I wanted to finish the sentence and said, I beat my wife to the cross. There. Do you feel better now? Because you're still looking at me a little bit funny. But he, Husbands, you know, we want to be the leaders in our homes, right? I'm the spiritual leader of my of my... I'm the man of the house, right? I'm the spiritual leader, woman, right? And we quote Ephesians... Chapter 5, come on, guys, right? Well, we want to be the leader in the good things, but how about being the leader and taking responsibility when it comes to sin, too? How about we take the lead? Isn't that what leaders do? Leaders lead. Maybe you need to take the lead, and you need to get to the cross as the leader, as a spiritual leader. Okay, that's enough. I'm very convicted right now. So verse 14, (laughs) happy is the man who is always reverent, but he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. I mean, this is in a way self-explanatory. It's a blessed man. It's a happy man who walks in the fear of the Lord who fears the consequences of sin, who fears doing anything that would hurt the heart of a holy God. That is a happy man, that is a blessed man, and contrasted with the the one who hardens his heart. He will fall into calamity, a life riddled with calamity. Verse 15, like a roaring lion and a charging bear is a wicked ruler over poor people this goes along with verse 16 a ruler who lacks understanding is a great oppressor but he who hates covetousness will prolong his days i mean this is kind of a, a interesting image this roaring lion charging bear bear neither of which i would like to Uh, run into. But that is what this wicked ruler is like over poor people. And they lack understanding. They are great oppressors. But notice the contrast, and this is interesting. The one who hates covetousness will prolong his days. Envy, jealousy, covetousness. Verse 17, A man burdened with bloodshed will flee into a pit. Let no one help him. Don't bail him out. Don't help him out. This is somebody that is now hunted and haunted and burdened with the blood that they have shed, and they're now on the run, fleeing into a pit. What they're doing is they're drinking from the cup of the consequences of what they've done. It's been said that experience is the best educator. Experience is the best educator. And sometimes the best way to learn is to suffer the consequences of our folly. Verse 18, Whoever walks blamelessly will be saved, but he who is perverse in his ways will suddenly Fall. Understand what it means to be blameless. It is not the same as sinless. We will never be sinless this side of heaven as long as we were in these fleshly bodies. What it means to be blameless is to be above reproach, without blame. That blame cannot be pointed towards you. It cannot be on you, you are blameless, you're walking uprightly in righteousness, but contrasted with the one who is perverse in his ways will suddenly fall. Verse 19, he who tills his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows frivolity will have poverty Enough, And this ties in with verse 20 as well. A faithful man will abound with blessings, but he who hastens to be rich (laughs) will not go unpunished. Okay, so you've got two people again. You've got quite a stark contrast. You have somebody that I'll call them a steady Eddie. They're just faithful. They keep their hands to the plow, they're faithful, they're hard-working, they're always going to have plenty. And it goes along with the proverb that wealth is obtained little by little, but riches that are gained quickly, poof, gone. One need look no further than to those who win the lottery, you know, they do studies. They used to have a television show. I don't know if they still do. I don't watch uh, much TV, but they used to have a television show about the lives of people after they win these huge lotteries, like 500 jillion dollars. And you would think, oh my goodness, they live happily ever after. No. Nah. Their lives are destroyed. Completely destroyed. And you know what's so striking is that these people who got this, this wealth so suddenly, they have nothing to show for it. It's all gone. And yet there are people who follow after this. They are given over to this. They still believe that they could get rich quick. And here the proverb is saying, (laughs) they're not going to go unpunished. And it kind of has the idea of sin being its own reward. These sudden riches are that which actually punish you. The, the, The circumstances in your life because of this hastening to be rich. It's the faithful man who is truly rich. The steady Eddie, the one that keeps their hands to the plow, and is faithful. They have plenty, but yet the one who follows frivolity will have poverty. Verse 21, to show partiality is not good, because for a piece of bread a man will transgress. This is interesting because it really carries with it the idea of how some people can be bought for a price. It doesn't take much. Bribery, extortion, greasing the palms, as we used to call it, in the car business.
0: It's easy to dismiss Old Testament books as ancient texts that hold little meaning for you today. However, there's plenty of application for your life right now in this modern world. The book of Proverbs is one that specifically provides advice, admonishment, and encouragement for your life as a follower of Christ. As you listen to Pastor JD's message today, though, you may have realized that you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. If that's the case, we'd like to encourage you to change that right now. We have a simple guide that will tell you more Just visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and click on the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This will tell you why it's so important to put your faith in Jesus and how easy it is to start a relationship with Him. We'd love to hear from you too, and we're available to answer any questions you may still have. Please get in touch with us through our contact form on our website. Again, that's InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com If you're in the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you join us for our worship services. Bring your friends and family along, too. It's a great time of fellowship and learning about God with Pastor JD. Be sure to let us know that you're a listener of In Spirit and Truth when you visit. Find out more about Calvary Chapel Kaneohe at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. With that, our time with you has come to an end. Thanks for being part of our study here today. We hope you'll tune in again to continue studying the truths found in the book of Proverbs, right here on In Spirit and Truth.